home of the Pens and the best Pens coverage. WXDX FM Pittsburgh and iHeart Radio Station. This segment brought to you by CW Electrical Services. Make the switch to... Oh, boy. I'm not used to reading ads. No one ever advertises on my show. I know Mark always laments it. Let me get the sponsor in and not fumble it like I'm Gregory Polanco trying to field a ball in the outfield. This segment brought to you by CW Electrical Services. Make the switch at CWElectricServices.com. How hard was that? It's two letters. CW, CW, CW. Come on, Crowley. I'm done with the Lev Bell saga. If I were Kevin Colbert, well, I'd be a lot richer. I'd also tell Le'Veon that he's not going to be a Pittsburgh Steeler after 2018, 2019. Tell Bell to focus on getting ready for this season. The Steelers should run that dude into the ground and send his ass packing. I've been as big of a Bell fan as there is in this town. Seriously, if you're not familiar with my show, I am all about Lev Bell because I know how talented he is. Hell, two years ago, the Steelers were 4-5. and five. They were on the outside of the playoff race looking in. They didn't have an offensive identity. Ben was struggling. They weren't a good ball club. Then they made a concerted effort to give the ball to Bell a bunch. He averaged 147 yards a game down the stretch, and then the Steelers went to the AFC Championship game. Last year, the Steelers started 3-2. and two. Ben was coming off of a five-interception game. Steelers didn't have an offensive identity. They stunk. But then Bell averaged 126 yards a game from that point forward, and the Steelers only lost one game the rest of the way. I realize that many think A.B. and Ben are the MVPs of this squad, and I'm always inclined to go with the quarterback, but... The team is much better when Bell's producing. He's as big a threat in the passing game as he is in the running game. I'm a big fan of his game. And I actually understood where he was coming from in his negotiations last year. If a running back deserved to make over $10 million, it was Lev Bell. Point being, I've been a Bell defender for a while, and now I'm not anymore. I'm always on team player as opposed to team team. Always. I'm always for the little guy, not for the establishment. And yeah, I realize a dude making $14.5 million might not seem like the little guy, but in this circumstance, he is. These players risk their long-term health, and the league is able to profit greatly. I also think that the franchise tag severely limits players' abilities to get longer-term contracts, but Bell has acted a fool so colossally bad that I ain't in his corner anymore. DUI was suspended twice. Turned down a contract his agent told him to take. He said he might retire just before a playoff game. He didn't show up to walk through prior to a game. Then he said he'd be there in week one of the season, then backtrack to say he'd be there in week four. Now he's asking for $17 million, and he's playing the victim. How about just being accountable, man? I say the Steelers say peace. After this year, I wouldn't even try to bring him back after the tag. What do you think? 412-333-WXDX. Now, stick with me for just a second here. Is Le'Veon doing all this because he's a mook? Or is he doing all this because he wants the Steelers to drop the tag? How about a little of column A and a little of column B? Because I think Le'Veon Bell is trying to force his hand a little bit here. 
Le'Veon will get a lucrative contract next offseason. But he wants to get that guaranteed contract now. When you're a running back, your head's getting beat to a pulp. Your brain's turning to mush. You only have a lifespan in the National Football League until you're about 30 years old. So Le'Veon's trying to speed the process up. He's trying to get a guaranteed contract sooner rather than later. Unfortunately for him, he didn't hold any of the cards here. The Steelers have the cap space to pay him the cost of the tag. Ben Roethlisberger's career is starting to wind to its end. He's got at most three years left. So the Steelers want to maximize their ability to win with Ben. So they want Bell to play at least one of those years. If Bell were smart, he'd have tried to be a jackass a bit earlier. Or he'd have tried to be a dink more effectively. Now there's no reason for the Steelers to say see you later. Because the free agent market's dried up. I get that all the time. Are the Steelers really going to rescind the tag? They should rescind the tag and get some good defensive players. All the good defensive players are signed. That's why Mike Mitchell hasn't. Had to get that one in there. He doesn't hold any of the cards. Let's go to Kevin in the car. Hello, Kevin. Hey, Adam. Thanks for taking the call. Hey, you actually believe that Bell is going to be in the top five of running backs in production in two to three years? No. When did I say that I did? I'm not, well, that's what the contract's implying that he is. That's what I'm thinking. Why would you want to give him that much money when he's going to be high in, maybe in the middle of the pack, seventh or eighth? There's so many young licenses. They, they just running backs like two, three years. In the Kevin, Kevin, Miller, Kevin, 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 Kevin. Life's okay, too short wait. not to listen. Appreciate the phone call. 412-333-WXDX. I was saying that that's how I used to feel about Bell. Now I don't feel like that about Bell at all. And the reason that I would have paid him the five years, though, before is because I only care about the first three years anyhow. If Bell's around for whatever Jamoke quarterback they bring in after, Ben Roethlisberger, I don't care because they're likely not winning the Super Bowl anyhow. It's why I wanted them to sign Antonio Brown for longer than the life of Ben Roethlisberger's contract. I want those pieces here when Ben is here. That maximizes your opportunity to be able to win. But now... The dude won $17 million. I keep him around for this year, and I say, F you, after that. Let's go to Joe in Bridgeville. What's up, Joe? Hey, Adam, let's go Mountaineers. Let's go ears. Let's drink some beers. Amen. Hey, so what inside linebacker would you use the first-round pick on? <sighs> the kid from Alabama everyone likes, and most mock drafts have him being still around when the Steelers pick at 28? I don't know. They need an inside linebacker. I don't so much care who they get. I haven't watched enough of these guys to be able to tell you how well they're going to play in the Steelers' system. I can tell you what I've read. I can regurgitate things like that. That's what most draft experts are doing anyhow. But they do need to address that position, and they do need to address safety. Uh, Inside linebacker, though, absolutely the priority. Thanks for the call. 412-922-2874 is the number on ESPN Pittsburgh. I do that every time at least once. Rashawn Evans, the guy from Bama, by the way. He's good. Downhill player. Solid tackler. Probably needs to learn how to not tackle with his head anymore. Or else he's going to get kicked out of the league. I don't care who the ILB is. There's a good kid from Boise as well. You just need to get one 
who can come in and who can spell uh, the guys you have starting from time to time. You can't only have two inside linebackers and hope that you're going to be able to survive the season. We saw last year, Shazier goes down, and the defense went to bleep. Allison, you're talking to Crowley. Hello, Allison. Hello, sir. What is your name? It's Adam. Adam, what's going on, bro? You tell me. All right, so I've been listening to your show. It's good stuff, right? She sounded hot and classy. We'll go. We can't go to Larry right now, can we? We cannot. That's okay. I heart you, Larry. It ain't your fault. We'll get to you after the break. It's always Allison's fault. Gotta ruin it for everybody. One of my favorite things that happens is on nightly sports shows locally, when someone calls in and says a bad word or someone calls in and harasses the host, they get all bent out of shape about it. I've actually taken to calling Richie Walsh and making fun of him and seeing if he gets flustered just because I think it's funny. Now, that might be bullying to some, but it's funny. I don't care. I mean, don't do it again, but it doesn't hurt my feelings. Coming up next, the Steelers would be making a huge mistake if they start to focus on the future. They got to focus on the present. And the NFL also making a huge mistake. It's Adam Crowley. That's my name, Allison. Filling in for Mark Madden, 105.9 X. Super genius, Mark Madden. He's a prissy, sissy, dancy boy. No matter who's the goalie, when we have the right defense playing the right way. You're right, they should play without a goalie. The X at 105.9. I just looked down at my notes, saw that it was the 418 segment, and freaked out. Because my show on ESPN starts at 4. And I thought that I dubbed over all my notes. It was a whole thing. It's not interesting, actually, at all. I don't know why I brought it up on the air. So, I'm, I'm punting. Punt, punt, punt. Okay, very good. Speaking of punting, the Steelers shouldn't punt on this year's draft and start looking towards the future. Whether he plays one more year or three more years, the Ben Roethlisberger era is coming to a close. So, the Steelers need to do whatever they can to win before the window Slam shut. Now, according to reports, Steelers have shown interest in Mason Rudolph. They've shown interest in Lamar Jackson. They've shown interest in Darius Geis, who's a running back. Now, I've watched Rudolph. Now, I'm a West Virginia guy. That dude tore my team up a bunch. Actually, Pitt fans, you know all about that, too. Rudolph throwing touchdowns. I know Benzie's got a crush on him. I do, too, but I also kind of hate him. But regardless, I think he's going to be a good player. I think Geis is going to be a good player. But while I think both players could likely help the Steelers in the future, that shouldn't be the Steelers' plan right now. The Steelers should not be interested in anybody that doesn't help them immediately in the present. If the Steelers are paying Le'Veon Bell $14.5 million for the 2018 season, then they're going to get their money's worth. Geis or another first or second round pick would hardly see the field. So here's a compromise. Try to find a running back in the middle round of the 2018 draft. Just last year, the two best rookies were found in the third round. Kareem Hunt and Alvin Kamara were fabulous with not much expected of either. A third or fourth round back could add depth to this year's team. They could be part of a running back by committee in 2019. 
then that would free the Steelers up to take an inside linebacker, a safety, or an outside linebacker in the first few rounds. That is, if they don't draft the heir apparent to Ben Roethlisberger. Mason Rudolph, or an early-round quarterback, wouldn't see the field until Roethlisberger's career was finished. So, I don't like it. Mike Tomlin and Kevin Colbert should bring in players who will immediately make this team better. There's no guarantee that whatever quarterback they take would have the goods to be the next franchise guy. They've got the franchise guy right now, so the Steelers have got to maximize this team's potential to win with him. 412-333-9939. 412-333-WXDX. Let's go to Larry in Green Tree. What's up, Larry? Hey, Adam. How are you? Delightful. How are you? Let me ask you a couple questions. One, if if he decides he doesn't want to play Le'Veon Bell until game 10, does he still get paid? or? I don't think it kicks in until then. That's my understanding. That's my understanding. I would have dropped him before this year and just went with somebody, tried to pick somebody else up. He, he's not going to be worth the aggravation of going through the whole training camp crap again and all that, regardless of how good of a running back is. You know what, Larry? I don't mind the training camp crap as long as he's ready to go week one. I know that he got off to a slow start this year. I'm still not convinced that it was because he sat out, as much as the offensive line didn't play all that well. Uh, perhaps it's because they didn't work in tandem there. But I'm telling you right now, that's not that big of a deal. The issue I have is, what if he does what you said first? What if he does say, screw it, I'm not going to play till week 10? Or, screw it, I'm not going to play at all. That's what sucks. That's what scares you. That's That's where his volatility makes you worry a little bit. And, in fact, more than a little bit. When Le'Veon Bell says things like, I'm going to show up for week one, and then in his next breath says, I'm going to show up in week four, and then Mike Tomlin says at the owners' meetings, we think it's going to be similar to last year, well, I don't know what to believe from Bell, and I don't know if Tomlin is just giving us uh, a little bit of the uh, the workaround there. You know, he's been Tomlin. Tomlin, that's been his guy since he was drafted. Tomlin loved him since day one. I think, you know, wonder if it, if it wasn't his guy that they would have put up with all this from the get-go. Well, he's still an all-pro, and thanks for the call, Larry. Again, you put up with a lot of nonsense for great players. If Sidney Crosby, and this would never happen, but if Sidney Crosby got pulled over like Giroux did for slapping a police officer's backside, uh, the Penguins aren't doing anything about it. It's Sidney Crosby. I realize that he's not the quarterback, but he is a significant portion of this offense that helps the quarterback go. So you're going to put up with stuff. You put up with Antonio Brown's headaches. You put up with a lot for Ben Roethlisberger, too, by the way. If you're good, you're good. And in today's society, with all the millennials running around, with social media, a lot of the guys are like this. That's just a fact. 412-333-9939, 412-333-9939. 412-333-9939, 412-333-WXDX. Brian Metz are going to be joining us at the bottom of the hour to talk a little bit about the Penguins. Sidney Crosby, the guy who has never smacked a police officer's behind, is on fire. We'll get Metz's thoughts on that coming up in not too long. The NFL cleaned one thing up, and now they're just making another mess. 
Uh, it's like if I pee down the stairs when I'm drunk and then clean it up and then wake up the next morning and there's another pool. Uh, it's up in the same place. Got to clean it up again. Usually around this time of the show, Bob, is whenever I start making terrible analogies. That was terrible. Uh, usually around this time of the show is whenever things start coming out of my mouth and I don't know why they're coming out of my mouth. That's okay. If Madden's ratings tank, maybe mine will go up. I'll poison his well to make my show better. How about that? I'm a plant. The NFL fixed the catch rule, and I think they did a pretty good job of it. I realize that the football move is still ambiguous, but I think we all know what a football move is, and I think that's important. They take away the survive the ground element. They clean all that up. They make it a lot more clear. There's not going to be as long replay reviews, I don't think. You're not going to have questions about whether a guy's breaking the plane. All that stuff, all that nonsense, all the Jesse James garbage ain't going to happen anymore. And I think it's going to speed up the game. I think it's going to give casual fans, fans more clarity on exactly what it means to catch the football. But now, the National Football League, well, they want more reviews. We're getting rid of these reviews. Let's add some more. Or at least let's discuss adding some more. NFL players are no longer going to be able to lead with their helmets when they're tackling. How in the world are they going to be able to officiate that? How in the world are they going to be able to see that in real time? There is a tackle on almost every play in a football game. Those are the rules. You tackle a guy, play's over. So it happens every single play, or at least it's supposed to if you're the defense. It's possible that every one of them could be subject to review if a player's head is going to be down. That's going to make games slow down considerably. And I'm 100% on board with player safety. I would flag the plays, but not have players eligible to be ejected. And I wouldn't want to see the plays reviewed. In fact, I'm fixing football right now. Right now on the Mark Madden Show, Adam Richard Crowley is fixing football. I want to see all reviews be coaches' challenges. Give the coaches two challenges of any play, and then give them one challenge that can only be used for a scoring play. That way, you don't have turnovers eligible to be reviewed. You don't have scoring plays eligible to be reviewed. And you eliminate all the referees second-guessing that the referees do to themselves. Enough of turnovers being reviewed. And only allow booth reviews to come in the second half when the clock is under two minutes. Less is more when it comes to replay. Make the coaches be the ones to have to throw the flag. And please don't start ejecting players for lowering their helmets. You totally changed the game. Let's go to Ben in the car. Hello, Ben. Are you calling up to hear a urination uh, joke? No, I'm actually calling. I appreciate your venting about the uh, replays and reviews going on in the NFL right now and how they definitely need to try to limit those as much as possible, but I'm thinking the NFL doesn't necessarily want to do that because the more reviews there are, the more commercials there are, thus the more advertising and more revenue. What are your thoughts? Well, there's the same amount of commercials for every game, so that doesn't change anything. 
Uh, I've been working with the Steelers Radio Network for years now, and I know that clock backwards and forwards. They just changed it last year. They don't add any different spots. They would just take a break at another point in the game. So uh, that's not the issue. The games will be lengthened, though, and that's something that the NFL doesn't want to have happen. Thanks for the call, Ben. 412-333-9939. Coming up next, Sidney Crosby is hot! I can't shake that analogy so bad. Brian Metz of the Penguins Radio Network is going to hop on board to discuss not the analogy, but Crosby being hot. Whatever. It's Crowley in for Madden on your home of the Pens, 105.9. This is Sidney Crosby of the Pittsburgh Penguins. You're listening to Mark Madden and the best hockey talk on 105.9 The X. Oh, my God. Just hearing that guy's voice brings back memories of last night. And last night made me do something that I can't talk about on the air. Brian Metzer from the Penguins Radio Network. He also hosts Pens Weekly here on the X Saturday mornings. He joins me now on the program. Metz, what's up, my man? How are you, sir? Uh, it's great to be back with you, and uh, we're making this a, a fairly regular occurrence down the stretch, and I appreciate that. We are. I just wish that I was collecting Mark's salary. Anyway, Crosby's finding Yeah, I know. Uh, Crosby's finding his groove at the right time. It's almost like he's a horse coming down the stretch, isn't it? My gosh, he's been outstanding lately and I think that last night was probably one of his most complete games in terms of everything that he was doing because yes, he's been chipping in those goals. Uh it, it seems like every night now for five games, but on top of that, he was playing a 200-foot game. He was the best four checker and that's good news for the Penguins. And if a guy is going to be closing in on 30 goals and 90 points and being looked at as having an offseason, I'll take that any day of the week. Yeah, I think so, too. And I think a lot of that's actually had to do with bad luck, Matt. His shooting percentage is at a career worst right now. I don't think he's playing poor hockey. Uh, rather, I don't think he's played poorly uh, all season long. And it just seems like he knows when to turn it on. I've never seen anything like what we've seen from him in the last eight games where it seems like he's swatting everything out of midair into the back of the net. That's the most amazing thing. The hand-eye coordination that this guy has, I mean, it's all the Pirates jokes that were being made last night are, are you know, well-made because he has the, he has a knack of just knocking pucks out of midair. And the one last night, I think, was even more impressive than the one he put up against Carey Price and the Montreal Canadiens because of the way the puck just came at him off of the post with such velocity, he had to cut into the slot, follow his play, find it, reach back, and bang it home. So he has uh, that ability, and I was kind of disappointed. I don't know if you saw this. Uh, about a week or so ago, Bob McKenzie was on his show on TSN. They do this thing where they talk about the hockey quiz or something, and they were talking about Sidney Crosby's best goal of the week, and they were talking that as opposed to the Sean Couturier one where he beat him oh. in the Flyers game. And they're picking that goal over the one he batted past Carey Price, saying that uh, a lot of players in the league could have done what Sid did against Carey Price. And I haven't seen that to think that that many players are capable. And if they do, they don't mean to do it. It's more of an instinctive thing. Sidney Crosby did this by choice. He had no other play to make on this bouncing puck in midair. He decided to deflect it to himself and then bang it in. And then last night, to follow the rebound the way he did and bang it home. I mean, I don't, I don't think there are plenty of players in the league that could pull that off. And Kudos to him, and we're lucky to have him here in Pittsburgh. Yeah, here's the problem. Crosby does so many amazing things and plays the game so hard and does everything so well, so consistently, that I think people take him for granted. Oh, anybody could do that. No, they can't. He makes it look so easy. That's the problem. That's exactly right. I mean, this is a guy that... 
everything he does is at such a high level. And his coach says it again and again. He's an elite player. And I think that is taken for granted. And, and I said this to you before, I'm so agitated this season because the league, other markets, they've done their best to turn the page on Sidney Crosby. And I think even here in Pittsburgh, people are trying to do that just based on the fact that, oh, he's washed up. He has a boo-boo lip today. He's not playing like himself. He doesn't look right. This, that, or the other thing. Well, he comes out of the weeds with these plays and says, hello, I'm still here. I'm still one of the top players, if not the top player on the planet. And I love when he does something spectacular last night, specifically when he puts up a big uh, uh, middle finger, if you will, yes. uh, to the opposition after taking that butt end under the, el- uh, under the armpit. I mean, that was just an unacceptable play, and he went out and answered it the exact right way with a huge goal. And it's one that's going to be used in highlights throughout this weekend. And the news cycle will remember Sidney Crosby now and remind everybody who's trying to turn the page and turn their looking or, or look towards all these young players around the league that they think are going to take the throne away from uh, from Sid. I just love what he's doing lately. Love the way he did that last night, and that's good news that he's doing it down the stretch and getting ready for the playoffs the way that he is. Brian Metzger, game night host for the Penguins Radio Network and Penns Weekly here on 105.9 The X on Saturday mornings. Joining me, Adam Crowley, filling in for Mark Madden on the home of the Penguins. My God, that is a mouthful. Brian, the Penguins-Devils would be one hell of a playoff series, would it not? I I think it would be. I I don't know that I've seen enough from the Pens to be super comfortable with it. uh, Oh, I'll agree with that. I just think it would be entertaining hockey. Oh, back and forth action. I think they would exchange chances. You'd see Taylor Hall getting his uh, true first taste of a competitive team going into the playoffs against a a very hungry uh, Penguins team looking for their third cup. It would be run and gun. I, I think there would be both coaches trying to convince their teams to play better defensively than they have in these games against one another. But it, it would definitely be a fun one. I, I just, as I said, I don't know that I want it, but it would definitely be entertaining hockey. Do you think it matters psychologically to beat a team that has really played well against the Penguins like they did last night against New Jersey? It doesn't hurt, that's for sure. Yeah. I mean, you know what, I look back at um, the first year, I think it was, with this group, with Sidney Crosby and company, when they made the playoffs after his rookie year, so that would be year two. And they were pretty pretty effective against the Ottawa Senators during the regular season, and then they went into the playoffs, and the Sens pretty much embarrassed them in the first round. So I, I think that I would hope that that would be the case, maybe going up against a fairly young Devils team, but it definitely doesn't hurt to go out and get that win. If they had swept the Penguins, they would have been feeling very comfortable and confident going into a playoff matchup with them, even if it occurred down the line at some point. So for me, they were the only team in the Metropolitan Division that were going to be able to have that distinction of beating the Penguins all time, each time this season. So the fact that they were able to keep that from becoming a reality was, was pretty big. And I think that it, if more than nothing else, it, it helped this team get back on track a little bit. They needed a win like that. They got punched in the mouth a little bit throughout that game. They had two deficits to overcome. Yeah. The way they did that, came back and then got the win in overtime and looked pretty stout defensively for a change, especially in the second period. I thought they had their best second period in weeks, and I think that'll go a long way towards getting them on track for where they need to be moving into the postseason. I'm going to get into this a little bit later on in the show, Brian, but the Penguins' defense I do think played better last night, uh, but do you worry more about the defense core itself or the fact that the Penguins forwards haven't been doing a great job defensively lately. Uh, I worry a little bit more about the defense core because I think when the compete level goes up, like we saw last night, the forwards will be fine. 
I tend to agree with that. Uh, the biggest problem I have, though, is there's times that they have numbers back. And you may have, you know, I think you and I have talked about this in the past. I know we've mentioned it on post games, etc. But you'll have the forwards getting back. The defensemen are in position. But rather than take a man or move where they need to be on the ice, they're just sort of standing around puck watching. Yeah. So you have numbers back, and you allow the team to sort of tic-tac-toe pass through your bodies and create a scoring opportunity for themselves or have a late man coming or something that gets a great look a great shot coming down the slot, and they're just not prepared for it because they're not moving their feet. They're not skating in the defensive zone. I think sometimes they get a little complacent and say, well, we're back. We all came here. We're in front of our net. That's going to be all we need to do. And their goaltender's stuck you know, facing a flurry of shots and then a rebound and a second or a third chance because they're not even clearing that opportunity once they get the chance to do so. So they tighten up in the zone, move their feet and skate a little more. I think they will be fine. And to your point, yes, I do think that if they find the correct defensive pairs and they play well, the forwards will do what they need to do. And the last part of that would be making quicker decisions and quicker reads and plays coming through the neutral zone because they've had their pockets picked a little too much for my liking trying to break out of their own zone with a, a quick little stick check or something. Think back to that Rangers game a couple weeks ago. Chris Kreider and uh, Zabinajad were doing that to them like crazy and creating odd yeah. man breaks, and that had the Penguins caught flat-footed. So that's a couple things to look for. Brian Metz are joining us here on 105.9 The X. Metz, why do you think the Penguins have struggled so much on the road this year? Big road win last night. I, that was another big part of that, I think, was getting that the win on the road in a building that's not easy to play in. I know that that's not always been the case in Newark, but last night I think it was. Their fans are excited about potentially banking it to the playoffs. Now, I don't know exactly what the, the bugaboo is on the road. I mean, Sometimes at home, they're definitely more comfortable. I think they, they love their routine on home ice, etc. And they've always played well under Mike Sullivan at PPG Paints Arena. You get them on the road, maybe they still try to play a little too loosey-goosey and they're making too many pretty plays. Uh, the special team's not always performing the way it needs to. I, I don't know why that is on the road, and I don't know that it's going to be a huge problem in the playoffs, specifically against the same team. Because you know how that is. You get into a seven-game series, you sort of learn the tendencies, and by game three, I don't know that it matters that much where you're playing the game until you get to a game seven. So for the Penguins this year, maybe that's the key, is having home ice just so you don't have to play a game seven on the road. But they've proven to be able to do that. They won two Stanley Cups that way over the last two seasons. And their road record last year wasn't as bad as it is this year, but they still weren't as great heading into the postseason, and then they proved that wasn't a big problem. So hopefully it's just something that's been bad luck in those situations when they've been away from Pittsburgh, and it's something that they can sort of right itself as they move into the playoffs. How do you evaluate the play of Matt Murray of late? I think he needs to be better. Uh, I know he hasn't gotten a ton of support, and we just hit on that with some of the defensive lapses that we've seen with this team. But he's still not really been the guy that showed that he can make that big save when the team is faltering around him to maybe help turn momentum or to steal a game for them. If they're good in front of him, he's been good. And I think some of that is maybe, you know, if he's on a good defensive team, I think he would be a Vesna Trophy candidate year in and year out because he can always make the first save typically. If he's not forced to get too athletic, even though he can do that, I think he's more effective than when he has to be the guy to go out and single-handedly win a game. Now, he may evolve into that kind of goaltender, but we don't know that just yet because so far in the small doses, he hasn't been tasked necessarily with stealing games. He's known for making a big save when he has to, 
but I think sometimes he has a leaky goal go in on him, and in the playoffs, you can't have those leaky goals happening, and they've been there a little bit too often over this last couple of weeks. I do feel like he will get better and shake through or shake off some of that rust, because I saw some of these same uh, hallmarks in his game after he came back from missing that extended time when his father passed away, and maybe uh, and he, he did turn it on and was one of their best players a couple of weeks after he returned from that absence. So maybe we're about to hit that window now because he's starting to hit that couple-of-week area after coming back from his concussion, and I think he'll settle in. But they've got to be better defensively in front of him, and I do think once they get to the playoffs, they will be that. But I think Matt Murray, and by his own admission, has to be a little bit better moving down these last couple of games and into that postseason run. 8-1-1 the 10 games prior to the concussion, and he was a big reason why. I think it'll just be a matter of time, but we shall see. Last thing here for you, Brian. Brian Metzer joining us here on 105.9. What's the best matchup for the Penguins in the first round? I think by far it's the Flyers. I think they would. Uh, that would be another entertaining series. Uh, I think the Penguins would handle them pretty well. I worry about it uh, going off the rails because the Flyers still, as much as they've been a little more finesse and skill this season and, and last season even, they still have that uh, uh, gene that makes them go crazy and start to try and draw the Penguins into a non-Penguin-like game. You saw that a couple weeks back with Radko Gudis, who's still there, and Brandon Manning. They start cheap-shotting. The Penguins try to answer that a little bit. I don't think that they would the way they did in 2012. I think they would handle themselves pretty well and find a way to beat the Flyers. So I would be fine with that matchup. And you know just from you and I talking last year in the playoffs, Adam, that I, I feel like I wouldn't be all that disappointed if the Penguins had to face Washington in the first round. Mm-hmm. They would still have that psychological edge. They have the the knack and ability to beat uh, Braden Holtby. They've gotten in his head. I almost feel like you've almost practically ruined his season. Yeah, he's had some injuries, but Philip Grubauer is about to steal his job in Washington. Holtby only took a foothold again because Grubauer got a little bit dinged up. So I guess if I'm looking at it, Flyers would be fine. Or, you know, let's just be Bear. If you're going to be a Bear, be a Grizzly. Go with the Washington Capitals, the division-leading Washington Capitals, and make them the first-round exit. Yeah, I don't think you want to see Columbus at all. They've got the greatest defenseman in the history of the game, and I don't know if you could beat those guys. <laughs> well, you know, that would be one for the narrative mongers in the city. That would be insane if that were to happen just because. I mean, And I think it's going to happen. I, I do think that's the one that's most likely to happen, the way that they're playing and the way that the Penguins are playing. Well, the good news is you still have a, the, uh, you still have a goaltender there that the Penguins have proven True. that they can torment the hell out of. And the, the the thing is for me, this run for Columbus right now began, if I'm not mistaken, on March 3rd, and they've won 12 of 13, if I'm not mistaken. It's very similar to what they did last December. And if you took that one month out of their schedule, they were a pretty mediocre hockey team. Now, they've been good since the trade deadline, not necessarily because of that stellar defenseman they acquired, but Thomas Vanek's been very good for them. He scored some big goals so far and very quietly have done so. And I, I think that generally speaking, they have built themselves a better team than they had last year. The bread man, Panarin, would be a problem. But you know, Adam, that's a goalie, as I just said, they can torment and they've yet to prove that they can do it in the postseason, and the Penguins have now beaten them a couple of times. So um, generally, the the Metro opponents won't necessarily be that terrible for the Penguins, but we have good and bad about each of those potential matchups. Thanks a lot for coming on, Mets. I'll see what I can do about that Madden check, all right? Please do. Uh, I was happy I did get one that I was owed from November, so that was great. It just came in yesterday, so thank you. Hell yes. Goodbye. 
Brian Metzer, Penguins Radio Network. Love that guy. One of the good people in this town. Coming up next, likewise, Bob McLaughlin. Very nice dude in this town. We'll talk to him. It's Adam Crowley filling in for Mark Madden, 105.9. It's the X at 105.9. Bob McLaughlin brought to you by 84 Lumber, helping you build the right way since 1956. Adam Crowley filling in for Mark Madden here on 105.9. The X. Bob, do you think Bell's motivation is to get the Steelers to drop the tag, or is he just a dope? Because I kind of think it's both. You know what? I, honest to God, have no idea. Uh, Benzie and I talked about this in a commercial break yesterday. You know, Benz is down there like you are every day. You cover him in the locker room. You're down there for the press conferences. You're post-game. You're doing all that stuff. Um, you kind of see how he interacts with the media. And Tim pointed out and. I didn't even realize it because I've never really strung all of this together. He seems to just say anything at any time. Yeah. Like there's no narrative. There's no storyline where he makes one thing, you know, he says one thing and then follows up on it and expands on it. It's like he says one thing, takes the wheel and just yanks it the other way, no matter depending on who's talking to him or how they're asking the question. Like if somebody's really peppering him with something, he seems to say the most outlandish stuff. If somebody's kind of coddling him or, you know, just kind of having a chat with them, he's personable. He's friendly. And I've heard that. You know, I've heard he's a good guy, but all of this, all of this crap. Yeah, I don't think make it, it go away. <laughs> agree. I don't think it makes him a bad guy, what he's doing. It just makes him incredibly unlikable. It does. It makes him look like a bad guy. Yes. And, you know, I, I agree with Ray Fittipaldo in the 3 o'clock hour where he talked about he doesn't know the circumstances of that tweet about, you know, hard to be a hero in a town where everybody paints him as the villain. Now, that might have been one circumstance, one thing that happened, and he's just replying to it. I don't think, <laughs> I don't think he could go after Steeler fans because they're not happy that he's asking for $17.5 million now. I, I can't believe he doesn't get why some Steeler fans are upset with him right now. I think he's in his own little bubble. I think he's got yes men around him everywhere. That's why he thinks he's good at being a rapper. Oh, I, I wouldn't doubt that at all. I, I think that that's one of the problems with today's athlete or today's, you know, today's mega, you know, star or whatever. In whatever field, whether it's tech, whether it's, you know, government, whether it's athletes, whether it's actors, there's nobody sitting there saying, uh, you know what, you're you're way off base on this one. The Pirates are blowing their four-run ninth inning lead. Speaking of way off base. <laughs> Get there, baby. Did they tie it? They did. Somebody tweeted me, at underscore Adam Crowley, by the way. I've been making predictions about this Pirates game as it's gone on. And I said that the Pirates would come back to tie it and then get walked off. Somebody tweeted me and said, "Ah, looks like you're going to be two for three on your predictions, Crowley. Ho, ho, ho. Am I? Because I'm looking pretty good to go three for three, unlike well, most of the Pirates today. One thing before you get out of here today, I know we got to wrap this segment up, but before you leave, I need some Mega Millions numbers because it's $502 million right now, and if you're calling things, I'm fine. I'll put $2 That's onto true. that ticket. I'm killing it, baby. <laughs> I got I got. You know what? I'll do it for me, and then I'll give you half. I'm cool. Well, you're still giving me five numbers and a, and a Mega Million ball. Okay, very good. Just All don't right? tell my wife. I still want half, though, if I don't win. That's Bob McLaughlin, brought to you by 84 Lumber, helping you build the right way since 1956. Coming up next, this has been the quintessential pirate game. We'll get to that briefly. And 
I'm going to keep piling on Le'Veon. Just seems like the thing to do. He's a villain. It's 105.9.